Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast We're going back in the time scene to September of 1995 for Volume 2 of this month's show. Volume 1 is a bumper look at all things WCW, including the first ever Monday Nitro and Full Brawl. Volume 3 is ECW and Volume 4 isn't even about wrestling as we take in UFC 7, a bit of mixed martial arts, the brawl in Buffalo. Uh, but we're here for Volume 2 looking at WWF, including In Your House 3. I'm being joined by Kieran Mitchell. Kieran, hello. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm good, mate. And Craig Wilson? Greetings. Uh, Craig, kick us off with the news. WWF pulled a bait and switch on their pay-per-view audience this month, selling a main event that guaranteed a title switch before undoing the change 24 hours later on Monday Night Raw. Shawn Michaels and Diesel defeated Yokozuna and the British Bulldogs, standing in for Owen Hart in the main event in the main event of In Your House 3 that featured all titles on the line, but the finished involved Diesel pinning Owen Hart, who was removed from the match, having apparently missed the show. On the next night on Raw, these titles were returned to Yoko and Owen. That, however, was all in vain, as the Smoking Guns defeated Owen and Yoko on Raw to win the tag belts back. The biggest match-up of the month, however, was between Raw and the newly launched WCW Monday Nitro. Raw responded to the new show with a new entrance video shot on top of Titan Towers, and that featured a higher volume of name matchups with the 11th of September show headlined by Shawn Michaels versus Sid. After going unopposed against the debut Nitro, the first head-to-head ratings battle was won by WCW, with Nitro drawing a 2.5 rating against Raw's 2.2. The main event on that second Nitro show was Hulk Hogan against, yes, Lex Luger. Despite working at a WWF house show 24 hours prior to the show, Lex Luger literally walked out in a debut edition of WCW Monday Nitro, ending the show with a confrontation against Hulk Hogan. Stories conflict, but Luger appears to have been working with the WWF on a verbal agreement after his contract had expired. Vince McMahon had even let Luger hold talks with WCW, but those apparently fell through, resulting in Luger being placed in some more important positions on the card at SummerSlam and afterwards. Things with WCW, however, changed after Vader had got into a fight with Paul Orndorff at WCW TV taping. At the time of recording, Vader remained suspended and Luger was drafted in to fill the main position of Nitro, as well as with the fall brawl match against Dungeon of Doom. Vince McMahon formally announced to talent that Bill Watts would be taken over from Pat Patterson as the go-between for management and talent on booking issues. Watts will be taking over many of McMahon's duties when it came to creative aspects of television and pay-per-views. McMahon, it is said, will work with Watts on these, but won't overrule him. In other news, King Mabel got into very hot water after the SummerSlam main event after injuring Diesel's back with the sit-down splash. The injury left Diesel out of action for a few weeks afterwards. There were some serious problems at a live event in Montreal with Jean-Pierre Lafitte refusing to lose clean to WF champion Diesel in the main event in his hometown. The show drew nearly 6,000 people, which was actually seen to be a disappointment given how hot the area had been for the company previously. After refusing to job to Diesel, Vince McMahon had to be called at home and agreed to let the match end in a double countout. While it's said that Diesel was mad about this, it's believed that Shawn Michaels was making the situation even worse by riling him up. WWF hosted In the House 3, which saw Diesel and Sean for the evening at least win the tag team titles. Elsewhere, Bret Hart and Jean-Pierre Lafitte and Dean Douglas defeated Razor Ramon following interference from the 1-2-3 kid. There were also wins for Savio Vega, Sid and the British Bulldog. The storyline throughout the show was Jim Cornette attempting to find a replacement for Owen Hart in the main event. 
Welcome back, everybody. Right, and now McMahon has gone up into the ring with those two losers. So we the got three match. losers in the ring. A couple of weeks ladder ago, match, took yeah. unbelievable sums out of you. The match with we'll Davy Boy same. Smith, the British Bulldog, yeah, a used, moment ago. Used him as a fire hydrant. Douglas, a thorn in your side. The man whom you will face at In Your House. That's and, of right. course, Dean, Dean, Dean take Douglas, no stranger to you either. One, two, three, kid, in the matchup recently last weekend on Superstars. Please don't compare Our, the intellect of Dean Douglas to that of one, two, three, this, kid, uh, whose IQ is the same as his shoe size. We're making reference to the intellect of Dean Douglas. He's and brilliant. I, what about I don't know it? whether here tonight, whether or not he proved his intellect or not, but he came down he here, interfered in the matchup. Come on, McMahon. Go ahead and say it. you got to say the kid cost Razor the match. Just watched your back. And from there... Dean Douglas leaves. You come off the top. Yeah, the referee here we go. gets up and sees you, and he disqualifies Razor. Razor loses the match. Right, but cost of the kid. Because of your interference. Good. Obviously, Good. Dean Douglas unquestionably would feel at this moment he has a superior intellect. He is superior. One second, Vince. I cost him the match. Right. What about last week when he came down and cost me the match? Huh, Razor? What about that? Uh-oh, wait a minute. This is getting good. Yeah, I'm not saying this was intentional. I'm simply talking about the intellect of, of one Dean Douglas. The fact of the matter is... No, let's get back to the other man. Dean Come on. Douglas. I didn't cost him the match, Vince. Razor, I didn't cost you the match. Last week, you cost me the match. You know Whoa. something? You always treat me like a little kid, Razor. You know? You know, you're one of my best friends. Well, look like he's going to throw a temper tantrum. Like you don't give me any respect. Nobody took me seriously when I beat you the first time. Hey, wait a minute. That's right. He did beat him. That's Do right. Do I got to beat you again? Yeah, go ahead, kid. I'll, I'll, next week, I'll beat you Fuck. again, Razor. Yeah, what about that, Greaseball? What well, about it? Next week. <laughs> this is great. Now, wait a minute. No, he did. He Aren't, did, McMahon. This is getting a little kid carried away here. I mean, all because perhaps of Dean Douglas. Are you challenging Razor Ramon to a match next week? He's watched your back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right, Vince. Razor Ramon. He's afraid of you, kid. If it's going to take for me to beat you one more time, <laughs> for you to give me Look some Ramon, respect, sweating already. and not treat me like a little kid anymore, the next week, Razor, as much as a good friend of you, as you are to me, I will beat you next week. Wow. Listen to this. What about it, Razor? Huh? You scared of the kid? I love it. Razor, how do you react to now this? You know, McMahon, anything can happen in the WWF. Yeah, and you get beat by the kid again. I make history at SummerSlam with a ladder match that they will talk about forever. Yeah, and you proved tonight you'll never be the same. The <laughs> British Bulldog... Out here making a lot of waves. Yeah, making you a loser. You Dean lost to him. Douglas, some bookworm, wants to take the bad guy to school. That's right, because you need it. You're so stupid. And on top of all that, my little buddy, the one, two, three kid, who I made famous yeah by a loss to him <laughs> wants a piece of Razor Ramon 
One more time. I can't blame him. You're on the world's well, biggest losing Chico, streak. If you want it, huh? if they want it, huh? Huh? Say it. Oh if boy. You want it. Who cares what he wants? Then you got it. WWE's counterpunch to WCW Monday Nitro began on Monday Night Raw on the 11th of September with a new entrance video filmed on top of Titan Tower featuring wrestlers in a ring and some fans. The show began with Razor Ramon against the British Bulldog. The freshly turned Bulldog has cut his hair very short. After a ref bump, Razor hit the Razor's edge on Bulldog. Razor goes for the cover. Dean Douglas runs out and drops a knee on Razor before running off the kid. Douglas scarpers. Bulldog power slams Razor, covers him. The kid hits a splash from the top, but Bulldog moves and kid hits Razor and the referee calls for the DQ. After the match, Vince interviews the kid and Razor. Vince implied that kid cost Razor the match, which angers the kid. He says that Razor cost him a match on Superstars the week before. Kid challenges Razor to a match on the following week, saying that he feels that he has to beat Razor again to gain his respect. We get squash victories for the Smoking Guns and Isaac Yankum DDS. In the main event, after a surprisingly decent match, Shawn Michaels defeated Psycho Sid with a trio of super kicks to retain his Intercontinental title. Michaels then teases stripping off. After the break, Doc Hendricks catches up with them both. We open up the September 18th edition of Raw with Razor against 123Kid. The match, which not surprisingly is very good, nears its conclusion with a ref bump. Dean Douglas runs out on the distraction and hits a nice top rope splash onto Razor. Despite a very long time before the kid made the pin, Razor was spark out and unable to kick out. Douglas performed his report card segment. He labelled Kid D for dumb because he thought he beat the Razor, Razor unaided. He awards Razor an E and himself an A. He then gives Razor an N also, calling it a no-brainer that he will beat Razor in your house. And what does D-E-A-N stand for? I did pop for that. Brett Hart phones in during a Jean-Pierre Lafitte squash match. Brett calls him a thief, saying he's stolen things from him as well as people in the locker room. Owen Hart and Yokozuna defeat King Mabel and Sir Moe in the main event of Raw. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the WWF Tag Team titles will be up for grabs the first ever. WWF triple header this Sunday. But these aren't the only titles, Jim Cornette, up for grabs, and you've got a smile on your face. Oh, yeah, because this is history in the making this Sunday on pay-per-view nationwide. All the World Wrestling Federation titles on the line at the same time for the first time ever. Now, sure, if Yokozuna and Owen Hart get beat, then they lose the World Wrestling Federation tag team title. Not we understand happen. that. But I hope by now the people understand. But the Wait, same... Excuse me. We're talking the WWF champion. Oh, but in the game. Cool. We're talking Shawn Michaels. We're talking two dudes with attitudes. I can go for the It's going to be two fellas that are yellow. Because the same goes for Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Wow. If one of them gets beat, then they lose their title. If one of them beats Shawn Michaels, then the man that pins him becomes the Intercontinental Champion. If one of them beats Diesel, the man that pins him becomes the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Oh, yeah. Now, he's a two-time World Wrestling Federation Champion, and he wants to three-peat. And if he gets the opportunity, that's exactly what he's going to do. This man's been the king of the ring. And if he gets a chance at either the Intercontinental or the world title, that's 
what he's going to take because he wants to prove that he's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And as for Diesel and Shawn Michaels, I want to ask you two punks a question. What happened the last time you were partners? Huh? What happened the last time? You broke up! Right. You had your fight like a couple of divorcees! That's right! Now do you think, Diesel, if you've got a choice of saving your title or protecting your little buddy, which one are you going to pick? And Shawn Michaels, <laughs> with your background, with your past, with your ego, if you've got a chance to save that gold belt around your waist or save your big buddy, Diesel, which one are you going to pick? Choose the I want to know if you both can look yourselves in a mirror and say that you trust each other and mm. say that you really think you're friends this time because these men are a unit. It's maybe one thing to be great individual single wrestlers, but it's another talent entirely to be a great tag team. Right. So as good as they are individually, these men are a better team. They have that unique ability to work together like a well-oiled watch. And believe me, after this Sunday at In Your House, they're not only going to be the tag team champions, but either the Intercontinental or the World Wrestling Federation title is going to be around one of their waists. And it's going to be legal because President McGilla Gorilla said it could be. <laughs> in your house, in your face, and around their waist. All the gold, all the titles, and all the glory this Sunday night, brother. And we move away from the TV into In Your House 3. Craig can kick us off with the results. In the opening match, Savio Vega defeated Waylon Mercy in seven minutes. Psycho said with uh, Teddy Biassi in his corner then defeated Henry Godwin in a similar time. The British Bulldog then defeated Bam Bam Bigelow in 12 minutes. Dean Douglas with Bob Backlund in his corner then defeated Razor Ramon in just shy of 50 minutes. Bret Hart then uh, bested Jean-Pierre Lafitte in the best part of 17 minutes and in the main event WWF Champion Diesel and Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels defeated Tag Team Champions Yokozuna and the British Bulldog who were standing in for Owen Hart to win all of the titles. All of the titles. Kieran, what do you think of the show? Um, there was one really standout match which we'll, which we'll get to. Um, but again, like with some of the other WWF stuff we've covered before it's just sometimes the finishes just tend to sour the whole thing and i think again in lieu of what they do on the raw that comes after i think the end just it really did sour the whole thing but overall the matches weren't that great really like i said one standout match and but it like i said the ending just soured it for me a bit craig I thought it was alright. Uh, it was alright if you compare it against 1995 WWF. Uh, it maybe doesn't stand up so well against some of the, the better shows in previous years, but I thought it was alright. I mean, I think Kieran's analysis is pretty spot on. Some of the finishes left a lot to be desired, but there, uh, there was some good stuff, but it tends to be overshadowed uh, by some of the, the poorer stuff. Yeah, but we're in a position where, you know, they, they're pricing these shows at $15, and I think they're giving us about $15 worth of action, um, in the sense that, um, you know, there was one very good match on this show, the main event was decent, in front of a decent crowd, um, before they kind of, you know, sullied it with just 
that ending, which, yeah, stunk of a cop-out. Um, I quite enjoyed Dean Douglas against Razor Ramon. I think that's the best Shane Douglas match I've seen since we started this project. Uh, well, the, the kind of the, uh, the, the three-way dance notwithstanding. Um, and the undercard was fine. You know, the, again, this was a, a decently booked show with decently good matches with one very good match. Um, and yeah, well, well, I guess we'll, we'll take each match as it comes. Uh, we start off with Vincent Mann being joined by Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross on commentary. Uh, it turns out Jim Ross's comments last month were pertaining to him being dropped from the show, not by the company, when he said that, I guess they think I'm too southern. Uh, well, obviously he ended up appearing on the show. Uh, and it's Savio Vega versus Waylon Mercy. They show clips of Vega's debut at the first In Your House, which just happens to be a clip of him beating up Jeff Jarrett and the roadie. Savio Vega against Waylon Mercy. Waylon starts off by mocking Vega's dance, then shakes hands with him. Savio starts off working over Mercy's left arm. Ross points out that Mercy's a southpaw. The action spills to the outside, and Mercy hits a body slam. We go to a picture-in-picture. Doc Hendricks says that Owen Hart isn't in the building. Mercy goes to lock in a sleeper. Savio struggles around the ring before driving Mercy's head into the turnbuckle. Mercy tries for a sleeper, but Vega this time hits a belly-to-back suplex. Vega hits a big boot. Mercy hits a brain buster that Jim Ross calls by saying, that's a brain buster, Vince. Vega hits a pretty poor German suplex for a two count before hitting a spinning back kick for the three count. Vince McMahon calls it an upset. Craig? It was alright. Uh, I, I quite like Savio Vega and I really like the Waylon Mercy character. This this was fine. It was a, a, a decent uh, back and forth opening match. Yeah, no real complaints here. I don't think it's going to make any match of the year lists, but it wasn't rubbish either. Kieran? Yeah, I'd, uh, I, I, I sort of guessed that maybe that <laughs> Waylon Mercy might be carrying a slight injury. Um, and I think, is he not sort of on his, or on his way out sort of thing at the minute? Well, um, there, there were, I, was, I was reading kind of um, in, in both the Torch and the Observer that the, the theory goes is that his knees are shot. Um, yes. That basically, yeah, having put all this effort into creating this quite interesting character, um, played by a guy that I think does quite a good job of it, um, they put him in this position, and then the perception was bec- the that him losing was a sign that they'd given up on him, and I think they'd given up on him, really, because his body isn't in uh, the best of shape. And, of course, what do they do now that they've given up on him? They put him in the field with The Undertaker. Of course they have. <laughs> um, but that will happen uh, That will happen after the uh, pay-per-view. Karen, Karen? Yeah, it was just... You, you could sort of tell he was carrying some sort of injury, because, I mean, I don't think they'd give um, a guy who was maybe that slow to begin with that kind of in-depth character, so... I really, really enjoyed the character of what I saw of it. He was kind of coming across as a, trying to come across as a face, but wrestle as a heel. It was like really interesting and like really different to everything else. It's just a shame that he's obviously carrying an injury because it kind of affected the match. Savio Vega was fine. I didn't think he was brilliant. I didn't think he was rubbish. I just think that Wayne and Mercy obviously have, it, there was obviously something wrong. I don't know the specifics, like I said, but. Um, it was it was an okay match. It was just just a shame that you couldn't get more out of it because there was obviously a lot more that um, Wayne and Mercy could probably have done. 
No, Mercy had uh, quite a long opening squash match victory on Raw, I think, in August. Um, that was bizarre in that... Well, was it a squash match or was it a name? I can't remember. I would have referenced it in last month's TV report uh, if it did. Um, but that was quite a long match with quite a hot crowd. And I think, yeah, Kieran, you know, go out and seek that match because that was another good sign of what Mercy can do. Um, but, yeah, as I say, I think, you know, the... I don't think they're in a position where they massively want to be pushing Savio Vega. So I think the fact mm. that Mercy lost this is probably a decent sign that, yeah, it isn't working out. Yeah. Um, and Craig, as I say, you know, we, we, we go back to where we've been before with The Undertaker. Um, Mercy's knees are shot. Let's put him with The Undertaker. I don't get that. Yeah, it, it, it does seem strange. Just to just talk about the Wheel of Mercy just a final bit. It, it really is a massive shame that uh, the guy portraying him is broken down by this point because I mean it, it's it's a completely different sort of character to to what we we used to. It's not someone that's got an, a job such as a ice hockey player or a country singer and is using the WWF to try and make it in his chosen career. It's just or dentist. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's something. It's something so completely different, and it's just such a massive shame that. Uh, Maybe that was the problem. Maybe his lack of actual occupation is the reason they're not pushing him. Maybe he'd have better knees if he was doing something in his spare time, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Way the mercy, the, the evil accountant. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you get a gimmick with that. Um, but yeah, the action was fine. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. This is the match I necessarily go back and recommend, but I, I've seen far worse. Um, and, and the one thing about Mercy is that his kind of in-ring psychology is of a decent enough level where he can add a couple of points to a match. I think he, he did that here. Uh, anyway, we cut backstage and Doc Hendricks interrupts an argument between James E. Cornett and Gorilla Monsoon. Cornett claims that Owen Hart is in Michigan, just not in the building. Monsoon says that the match will take place regardless. Over on, it's Psycho Sid with Ted DiBiase versus Henry Goblin. We cut to a clip from Superstars with Sid laying waste to a bin backstage. Godwin knocks Sid to the outside. He then hits an apron suplex back in the ring. They're saying that Godwin has a back injury after being powerbombed on the superstars. Sid turns to the outside and DBRC gets a couple of kicks in. Sid locks in a modified camel clutch, then goes for a crossface but puts his fingers in Godwin's eyes instead. Godwin rallies with some rights and a shoulder tackle, then sets a reverse DDT, hitting it, but DBRC pulls him off the pin. Somehow the referee doesn't see this. Godwin continues his attack, but bounces off the far rope and DBRC trips him. Again, the referee is distracted. Sid hits a powerbomb and wins the match. After the match, Sid and DBRC argue over who's going to slap go- slop Godwin with uh, his pig slop. Ole Bigger, Bam Bam Bigelow, runs out and attacks Sid. Cameron runs out to unbalance the numbers, but as Cameron and Sid restrain Bigelow and DBRC lines up to slop Bigelow, Godwin comes around and dumps the slop all over DBRC. Kieran? Yeah, the... This is kind of where I made a sort of a comparison between like a really good big man or potentially like a Whalen and somebody that's just appears to be just wasting people's time with Sid. Because Sid has got, I, I said the last time I did a WWF show or it was on a Raw or something, I think. And I just said he's got such a great look. He's got a great, um, the way he like, and, you know, comes down the, the aisle to the ring, his music, everything fits and then he gets in the ring and good. God, is it boring. There is just nothing in this match whatsoever that I could get into. I hated the end with all the slop. I don't even know what pig slop is, Bob, to be honest. Is it pig poo? Is it pig feed? What what slop? I think I it's feed. I think, <laughs> it is feed. I, 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 I call it pig shit in one of the TV reviews <laughs> this year, but I believe it's feed. Oh, okay, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it, Bob. But... It, look, it looks like vomit, but it, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it's shit. But... 
just, just, I just Sid is such a waste. And this is where it's like annoying. You've got something really different, a really big man like Waylon Mercy, who's got this great character, but just can't do the physical stuff. And you've got somebody like Sid. I mean, I actually don't know what the guy's capable of. He does that little. He never appears to be that bothered. I mean, is he sort of on his, again, is he somebody else that's on his way out? Do we know what the situation is? Whatever it is, I just, I just didn't like this match at all. At all. Great. Can't help but think that Kieran's got some sort of bad history with, uh, with Sid. Uh, <laughs> uh, it might not have been the shit that was in the bucket, but it was shit that was in the ring. I just hated this match. On paper, I hated it. And I just, you just can't get, I just can't get enthused by, by Sid at all, despite every promotion's various attempts to, to try and get us enthused about him. Henry Godwin seems like a decent, capable enough uh, worker, but I mean, I don't think anyone could drag a stellar match out of Psycho Sid, and Henry Godwin certainly failed on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where Godwin was a heel for, uh, yeah, he came in as a heel, uh, they aligned him with Ted DiBiase because they aligned everyone with Ted DiBiase. They had the angle on Raw. Was it was it the 11th of September show, Kieran? Was that the pig slop angle? I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I don't think it was. I don't think it was in August. But yeah, they have they have the angle on uh, on the program where, um, where where Godwin turns face by you know dumping the pig slop over Ted DiBiase. Yeah, the crowd pop for that, but they're gonna pop for that. But it doesn't change the fact that Godwin's not over. You've got Cedar Guy, you know, there's not much to the program either. There's a couple of matches on this card, you know, the, the, for all the policies of Brett against Jean-Pierre Lafitte, the, the feud was Lafitte stole his jacket. That was all they were feuding about. And that, that created the match. There just wasn't enough on this match or going into this match to give you a reason to care. And as Craig said, they kind of stunk up the joint. It wasn't the worst match I've ever seen, but it was just nothing to it. Um, you know, and the post-match angle was Nah, it was what it was. Um, but you know, as I say, just, just nothing really more to discuss, you know, like, for, for all of, Craig, for all of Ted DBRC's strengths, they just keep putting in with losers. I know, I, yeah. I know, I know Sid won this match, but you know, it's like, they just put in with guys that just don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's like, oh, this guy isn't doing something, let's stick him in the million dollar corporation. And then, they think that's enough, and it's not. So a guy just goes from not doing anything to not doing anything while being a member of the Million Dollar Corporation. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Anyway, there, there, I, was, there was a really great oh, line from uh, Jerry Lawler in this one. I don't know if he's picked it up, but right at the start he said to uh, Jim Ross, you know what Arkansas State motto is, at least we're not Oklahoma, which I thought was <laughs> quite fun. <laughs> probably the highlight of the match. Yeah, 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 probably right. Uh, we're backstage again and Monsoon and Cornette are still arguing. Monsoon's position is unchanged, but he says that if Owen doesn't turn up, Yokozuna can either defend the titles by himself or find another partner. We move on and it's the newly turned, bow- no sorry, it's the newly turned British Bulldog with a, 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 a much neater, more cropped haircut against uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. We cut to a picture-in-picture. Jim Cornette is negotiating with Sid about signing in for Owen. Back in the ring, Bam Bam hits a hit toss but misses a standing elbow. Bulldog settles on a chokehold but Bam Bam flips out of it. Bam Bam charges at Bulldog and then goes for a clothesline that Bulldog ducks and pulls the top rope down, sending Bam Bam tumbling hard to the outside. Davey Boy goes for an apron suplex but Bam Bam blocks and picks Davey into a suplex for crotching him on the top rope. 
Bulldog takes out Bam Bam by the back of the knee, then starts working over his leg. Bam Bam withstands the onslaught and buys time, and then ends Aguri. Bulldog then locks in a single leg Boston Crab, now sleeper. Bam Bam finally escapes, then rallies with some punches. Dave Boy goes for a body slam, but buckles under the weight. Bulldog goes for a sunset flip, but Bam Bam sits on David's chest. Bam Bam goes for a moonsault, but David moves out of the way. Bulldog goes for the cover, but only gets a two count. Bulldog drops his head back from the top, but only gets himself a two. Bulldog fires Bam Bam off the fire turnbuckle, then hits a body slam for the clean victory. Craig? Not bad for a, a big man match. Uh, sort of feel sorry for Bam Bam's sort of directionless. We'll probably come back to that at a later date. But yeah, no, this... Uh, this was fine. Uh, it's, I mean, it, I, I don't think it sort of differed at all from your expectations going into this one, but two big guys, two big imposing guys, decent enough match. Yeah, it was fine. Kira? Yeah, I'm a bit of a bam-bam mark, so I was hoping for a bit more, but I, again, I get the sense, as with Waylon, as with Sid, is bam-bam another guy that's going to be, is he in, like, transition? Because, I mean... I, I think I believe that he get, they even gets his headbutt is kicked out of in in that match, um, but it's just oh it's just okay. There's nothing like really grabbing me for like a pay per view. I was expecting you know Bulldog against Bigelow. All right, if Bigelow is in sort of transition, maybe again somebody else is on the way out. Um, I was just expecting a lot more out of it, and these got these two guys could have really put on something pretty special if they were given the chance. Um, another thing that really did annoy me, though, that my overriding thought was how they just kept almost not the commentary didn't catch seem to care about the match. They seemed to keep referring to the fact that Bulldog was going to be facing Taker. They seemed to mention it just so many times. And I was just like, just focus on the match a bit more. Maybe I'd have got a bit more invested or taken note of what was going on in the ring. But I just kept thinking about, well, they just keep mentioning Raw, so you know, why should I why should I care? Sort of thing. Yeah, th- this was a match where they, if if they were prepared to, they could have given this match far bigger billing, um, it, it, in the sense that Bam Bam hasn't really been doing a lot since he main evented. Um, it was King of the Ring, was it? Hasn't really done a lot since, um, you know. And and but he's still over. I mean, we you know, we, we went through it back then. Yeah, you know, I think it was still a mistake that kind of babyface. Um, but uh, it, it, the, the matchup made sense. The result made sense. So I can't really be critical on that kind of level. In the, if they're going to make get Bulldog ready for Diesel, it makes sense for him to beat Bigelow. But the question was, why didn't you make it a bigger deal? Why was this just a match? Why not actually, you know, make it a number one contendership <coughs> match if you want to do it like that? Uh, you know, so say, you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll cat, which one of these will, will main event in your house for? That kind of thing. Rather than just having Bulldog beat Bam Bam, they could have made it a more marquee match. But as it was, this felt like, you know, another mid-show match for Bam Bam. You know, he had the match on, on the In Your House 2 against Henry Godwin. It just felt like another match that was thrown out there without much build. Yeah. Um, the match itself was, was alright, um, you know. Uh, Craig, I mean, I suppose it news you on the show. Just, what, do you, what do you think about um, Bulldog as a, a, a heel? Craig? Uh, I mean, he's got this sort of physique and everything that WWE could push to, to a heel uh, and be, probably do quite good business on the back of him being uh, a, a big heel, but it, it's just a, it just feels like a, they've just turned him and that should be enough sort of mentality to things and it's not. It's just 
in the same way you can't just lump a guy going nowhere into a million dollar corporation and hope that he suddenly becomes a main event and you can't just turn a sort of mid-card baby face into a heel and expect him to rise without doing something more with him. So it's all, it all depends, his success all depends on whether or not the WWF give him a ball to run with. Kieran, same question? Um, I'm just, I'm just not sure, Bob. I f- because I know how Bulldog is, I mean, I know he's not like the best, um, guy to cut promos. So I think as long as they get, you know, he's going to get a decent mouthpiece, then I think he'll be okay. But like Craig says, it does just feel again, maybe like they did with Bam Bam, maybe they're just turning them just because. There doesn't appear to be... They're turning him for a match rather than for a... Yeah, it's like, we'll we'll turn him for this because we need somebody to fight this guy. Or we'll turn this guy because we haven't got anybody to face this other guy who we really like. So it just feels like the minute they're turning people for the sake of it. So I think that, again, the proof is in the pudding, like with a lot of things at the minute. Yeah, we will see. Uh, we see a clip from uh, the WF phone, um, the, uh, the the phone line. Sorry, I, I got a typo on notes. Uh, DBRC and Henry Gowen seem to be recording messages concurrently. DBRC is still covered in the pig slop. Out comes Bob Backlund. Backlund rambles on his usual shtick. At one point, Ross simply says, "You reckon he's going to make a point?" He introduces Dean Douglas, who's wearing some singlet. Craig, what do you think of this? <laughs> it's a remarkable singlet. Dean Douglas looks Turquoise blue with a, uh, with a big exclamation mark on the back. <laughs> I don't know why that's never been done before. No, I know why. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not, oh, it's quality, that thing. With the exclamation mark, I was already, as he's walking down, just like, it's fucking, it, it's, it's blue, it's blue, and then he turns around that thing on the back, and I was just like, my god, what is, I yeah. It's but a singlet, I, yeah. I kinda like the whole kind of, you know, university type logo on the front, that's kind of thing, but I don't know that he needs to wrestle in a singlet, and I don't, wouldn't have had the exclamation point <laughs> like that, that, that kinda feels like they said, yeah, Dean, we've got, we've got your ring gear for you, and they showed him that, and it's like a rib, um, I don't know. He didn't uh, see the back of it. No, no, maybe he didn't. Uh, Douglas said he's proud of Backland. Douglas pulls a rare one and performs the introduction of Razor himself, or he does introduce him as the loser. And we move on to Dean Douglas with Bob Backland against Razor Ramon. Ramon comes out and charges at Douglas, sending him flying over the top rope. Douglas preposterously, oh, exclamation mark, back of his singlet. Uh, we get some quick technical exchanges. Douglas sits out in the corner and goes Razor on. Douglas goes for a hip top, toss, but Razor reverses it and chucks him over the top rope. We cut to another picture in picture. Jim Cornette is addressing Yokozuna and King Mabel. Razor and Douglas exchange hammerlocks. Douglas slips over the top, then goes for a crossbody, but Razor catches him and hits a four-way slam for a two. Razor locks in an armbar, then gets a reaction from the crowd by slapping Douglas about a bit. Douglas goes for a float over sunset flip, but Razor stops in it and the pair exchange near falls. Razor hits a shoulder tackle on Douglas, then goes for a second, but Douglas throws him to the outside. He then drives Razor's back into the apron, then hits a body slam. Douglas hits a running knee into Razor's back, bumping him to the ring steps before driving his back into the ring post. Razor takes some more punishment in the ring before slapping Douglas with a right hand, which pops the crowd. Douglas hits a springboard splash from the second rope, continuing to work Razor's back with a back submission. Razor picks up Douglas on his shoulders and drops him hard onto the mat. Douglas, with that, still covers Razor, who just about kicks out. 
Razor drives him into opposite turnbuckles. Douglas gets to the top rope, hits a flying body press. Razor rolls through and almost gets a three. Douglas then throws Razor into the ref, who goes down. Backlund attempts to revive the referee. Douglas goes for a second rope move, but Razor moves out of the way. Razor hits the Raiders' edge. The 1-2-3 kid then slides into the ring and counts the three. Razor, with his back to the kid, thinks he's won. He turns around and finds that it's the kid, and they argue. Douglas rolls up Razor and gets the three count from the referee who comes round. After the match, the replay shows Douglas has a handful of tights. Kieran? I, 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 did, enjoy, I did enjoy this match for what it was, even, even with the... The slightly cheap ending, but I kind of, you can kind of see where, uh, what the ending is sort of leading to. So I wasn't that too upset about it because at least it had a direction. I thought, um, like you said, you alluded to at the beginning, Bob, I, I do enjoy watch, you know, Shane or Dean Douglas wrestle. He seems to, he does everything. The thing with him is though, Bob, he seems to do everything really well, but he doesn't have that one, he doesn't seem to have that one thing that is like truly exceptional. He's like really good in the ring, but you just want him to do maybe something a bit more. I don't really know. It's it's kind of a bit of a harsh point to make without actually suggesting what he could actually do. But I just feel like there's just something maybe missing, but I really did enjoy the match. I wasn't too bothered by the ending. You could say it was cheap or a bit screwy or a bit messy or whatever, but I like the tease of where they're going with one, two, three, kid and Razor Ramon. So overall, I, I I really enjoyed this match actually. Craig, it started off really, really grim and just a snow fest with uh, Razor Rambar and then Douglas's surfboard. It picked up a little bit at the end. I certainly don't have the same level of enthusiasm for this as uh, Kieran does. And the, the, I think the bit that annoyed me most is just what's the point in one, two, three, kid running down and making the count? It just doesn't make any sense. It's just completely ridiculous. Well, we, we, we had the one, two, three kid acting as a de facto referee, and then Owen Hart acting as a de facto competitor in the main event. Um, no, I mean, I, for, for as big as a fan I am of Douglas, I, I've never believed he's that good in the ring. Um, and this was kind of like the first time, and even the ECW stuff you saw, generally he wasn't wrestling kind of big long main events. He often wasn't, he wasn't even in the main event, even though he was champion. Um, and yeah, the, the, the action was fine. I think there was a criticism uh, by Dale Meltzer that Douglas' uh, offense was a bit soft, which I think is a fair enough criticism, mm. given that you know so there was the bit where he was on, he was kind of on the attack in the middle. He took some quite soft rights. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean, Kier. I don't think he is a very good in-ring worker. I think he's decent. I think he's trained. I think he can go well with the right opponent. But I don't think the the praise would stretch any further than that. Um, but that being said, I like the program. I like the kind of you know, three-way feud. They've got the kid and that that kind of the kid and Razor that kind of spilled into Raw and kind of uh, Douglas kind of driving a wedge between the two of them and, and, and getting the matches out of them as well. Um, and yeah, say, say for comedy singer, I was, I, I've been actually quite impressed with, with what they've done with Douglas. And we, we had the, uh, I think Craig, you were on for those initial discussions we had about Douglas in July. Um, mm-hmm. And those opening promos that just, just looked like death. And the one thing I, I've been quite impressed by Douglas is that he does seem to be getting a bit more character out of out of this Dean Douglas character now. You know, the, the promos sound more like the, the Shane was, Douglas we know from ECW. Go on, Karen. Sorry, Bob. I was going to actually ask you to because I've sort of been on the ECW side of things. So what what kind of promos has he been doing? Is it kind of He's come in as sort of Backlund's understudy and he's like no the the, the, the back the Backlund thing was entirely 
contained in this night. I, I don't know whether oh, right. they just had Backland on the thing. Uh, there, there didn't seem to be much reason for it, um, other than maybe they just thought, well, we've got Backland, let's have him fill a couple of minutes. Um, and also, as well, they, 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 they had the bit with the referee, so maybe they wanted someone to distract the ref while, you yeah. know, something happened. There could have been that. Um, but what Douglas has been doing has been these things called, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the report. What's he been doing? Um, whatever, whatever it's called. Um, where basically it's him in front of a chalkboard, um, and he's, you know, he scratches his fingers down the chalkboard and then he gives people grades, basically, you know, he gives, <laughs> you know, um, oh. he gives people Fs and, you know, you'll, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll see the promos on the older editions of Raw. Um, but yeah, the, the promos have got better, but they are a bit kind of, it, 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 uh, it's it, it's moving away from this, but it is still much him trying to cut a promo as a teacher and kind of like crowbar these kind of grades in. Whereas, and there was the pro, there was a promo that we aired on the uh, on the SummerSlam part of the show last month, where it's him talking about you know um, beef, a bad guy, and all that. That was quite good, uh, but 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 it varies. I, I would say, mm. Crater, any more on, on Douglas? Uh, no, I, I, I certainly uh, echo your earlier sentiments that he's certainly made something fairly good out of uh, being given a hospital pass with a gimmick. So yeah, no, uh, he, he's uh, he's managed to do something quite well. If he can shrink those, uh, if he can shrink those singlets in the wash, then uh, maybe he'd be able to, uh, make the rest of it. Uh, after the match, Razor confronts the kid and throws him into the ring. Razor slaps him hard and the two threaten to fight, but officials pull them apart. We cut backstage and Doc Hendricks is wearing some epic sunglasses for an interview with Sean and Diesel. Sean is frustrated about the lack of clarity for Yokozuna's partner. Diesel smells a rat. And next up, it's Bret Hart against Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Lafitte appears at ringside where Bret is prosing in the ring. Bret goes for a tope and over-rotates, doing well not to do himself some serious damage as he lands on the outside. Lafitte works on Bret in the corner. Bret goes for a crucifix pin but only gets a two. Brett works Lafitte's arm, but he fights out, and it's a lovely standing clothesline. Brett lips, whips Lafitte into the corner, then goes for a shoulder tackle, but Lafitte moves, and Brett hits the ring post hard. That gets a cackle from Lawler on commentary. Lafitte then rounds Brett's shoulder into the ring post again. Lafitte runs at Brett, who sends him flying over the top to the outside. Lafitte lands on his feet, pulls Brett to the outside, and slings him into the ring steps. That was pretty good, I put in my notes. Lafitte drops the leg from the top, and Brett kicks out. Lafitte goes back to the top, but this time hit attempts a cannonball and meets the mat as Brett moves. Brett shapes for the sharpshooter, but gets sent to the outside. Lafitte goes for a sunsault plancher to the outside, but Brett moves and Lafitte hits the mat hard. Brent, Brett then slaps him into the ring steps. Brett hits a Russian leg sweep, then goes for a roll-up and gets a two. Lafitte hits a rolling farm and carry. Brett kicks out. Brett goes for a crossbody with Lafitte in the ropes. Lafitte moves and Brett gets tangled in the ropes. Lafitte goes to the top, attempts a splash, but Brett moves out of the way. Brett rolls Lafitte into the sharpshooter and Lafitte taps after the match. Brett gets his hand back on his jacket, which was the catalyst for this feud all along. Craig? I really like this. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm a big, uh, big Brett Hart mark, but I think, I think this was just really good and I like the fact that a lot of what Jean-Pierre Lafitte did was sort of stop Brett doing his usual five moves of doom stuff, so it, it just seemed like a very, very different Bret Hart match because it wasn't just uh, working towards the uh, Russian leg sweep, backbreaker, driving elbow stuff. Yeah, no, I thought this was really good. I like Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Uh, I think 
pirate gimmicks a little bit naff, but well, I mean, he's probably not the worst offender when it comes to gimmicks in the WWF at this at this stage. But yeah, no, uh, credible big man, Bret Hart, um, put together a good match. Uh, I still think Bret's sort of slightly wasted, having to face people like Jean Pierre Lafitte, etc. But still, yeah, no, I thought this was fine, really enjoyable. Sure. Yeah, I can I kind of treat it in two ways. You could kind of be really like overly cynical here, Bob, and just say it's a bloody pirate. It's a grown man dressed as a pirate nicking somebody's coat. So I kind of look past that and I'll just look at the match. And the match was just absolutely fantastic. And like Craig said, the biggest takeaway was I'd never seen that done, you know, a Bret Hart match booked that way where it was basically a guy who obviously wasn't brilliant in the ring, but what they did, they just accentuated all of his positives. And the way he was able to counteract those big five moves was just, it was absolutely spot on and it worked so well for this match. Easily the match of the night and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I think, I think you two are undercooking Lafitte's abilities a little bit. I mean, he's a pretty good worker. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think he thinks more highly of himself than that. I mean, there was the, um, part of the notes in that story about him and Diesel was that, you know, Lafitte's perception is that, you know, he doesn't see anything about Shawn Michaels that's any different to his own ability. Now, I, I, I think that's, yeah, bollocks. I don't think he's Shawn, Shawn Michaels' ability in the ring, and he certainly doesn't have the same levels of charisma. Um, but he's a pretty good worker, and that showed here. I mean, there were, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, the feet does the somersault crash to the outside and just lands back first on on the matting, which looked painful. Brett did the the tope at the start of the match and nearly ended up landing on his head because he kind of overcooked it a bit. Um, but yeah, the action here was really good. Um, yeah, as I say, this is this is the problem really with a couple of the matches was that. Yeah, you've got a, a quite a, a by, by WWF standards, quite a well padded out character in the feet. In terms of the the, the build and the vignettes, they haven't really done much with him since. Um, and you've got Bret Hart, who you know, as, as Jeff's not here, I will I will say it for him, Bret Hart, one of possibly the best worker in the world right now. Um, you know, so I would expect these guys, if they were given the time, and they were, to have a very good match. But, Kieran, it was just a match that just didn't really have... What, what did it matter? Like, so so Lafitte's got Brett's jacket. Who cares? It's a, it's a bloody coat. Do you know what I was thinking? I actually made a note, and I was thinking, again, I t- this is what I tend to do, is when I don't like something, I tend to just go off into Kieran Booker mode. So I'm like, set the jacket on fire. Do you know what I mean? He's probably it's got... expensive jacket, though. I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on that war intro this month. You, could, you know, budget only goes so far. That's, that's probably why that the Brett's jacket's so expensive. That's like Shane Douglas's wrestling in that singlet. That's probably oh. that cheap shit. But do something with a jacket. I don't know. Get make up a dummy jacket. Do like a do like a switcheroo, and then have Lafitte come out on Raw and set the jacket on fire as though it's like you know he's burning. The, I, th- I think you're rest. overcooking the amount of thought process they. <laughs> This is my trouble, but this is my trouble, you see. It's if you're going to have the jacket as the reason for the feud, then do something with the jacket. Not that just he nicked it. You know, I don't know, just rip it a bit or something. I don't know. Take and some the, of the sequins out. The, the match did end. Brett did get his jacket back, and that oh, was the, the end of the programme. Uh, Craig, Craig, any more thoughts? Uh, nothing really to, to, to add to that sort of amusing discussion between you two. No, but yeah, I, I would say this was the best match of the night for me as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you put two guys like this, give them enough time, they're going to have a fun match pretty much regardless. You know, this is, this is, you know, I mean, Craig, thoughts on, uh, on Brett at the moment? I mean, it just feels like Brett's a baby face, Diesel's a baby face, Sean's a baby face. 
we can't get them all in the main event, so we just won't. As a result, Brett's just leaping from few to few, program to program, without any real direction, because they still think highly enough of him where he's not going to lose a match on pay-per-view, he, but they don't think highly enough of him where he's going to be in a match of consequence. So that's what we end up with him facing Hakushi, Lawler, Isaac Yankum, and Jean-Pierre Lafitte, you know, who's who of the WWF mid-card. Yeah, um, I, I think I think one good thing is certainly seems to be moving away from having anything to do with Lawler, unless uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte is Jerry Lawler's pirate. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd agree. It, it, it's just sort of, oh, Brett Hart needs something. There's Jean-Pierre Lafitte. It just, what, oh, can we, what can we do quickly to get something that's of Jean-Pierre Lafitte because he's a pirate and they... <laughs> steal things, let's have him steal something of Bret Hart's, let's have him steal the jacket there's a pay-per-view match and it's just like, yeah it's not though is it but gracefully they were able to through their work make it a, a match that you cared about because on paper he stole my jacket, it's a shit reason for a wrestling match Craig, is this the weakness? I could up in a sec. Craig, is this the weakness of the monthly pay-per-view format? Is that they realise that we need Bret Hart on this show, but they just don't have enough time or resources to to get a program together that really makes sense. The thing is, though, you, you, you say, is this a problem with a monthly pay-per-view, and do they not have enough time? But they've got plenty of time. They've got a, a weekly episode of Raw and a pay-per-view every month to be doing things. I think it's just that they're still trying to catch up there. Uh, maybe the booking team aren't, well, booking team clearly are used to booking for, what, five or six events a year rather than 12. So I think they're, I think they're maybe sort of slightly stuck in their ways and struggling to come up with as many storylines as are required for a monthly event to really work. I think, I think the problem's just in the writing. But they've got plenty of, they've got a surprising amount of credible and quite good people to write for. I just think that they're, not used to having to turn around quite as much. Kieran? Yeah, I just think it smacks of, I definitely agree with Craig about there might be, there might be, the writers might be struggling, but I think it also smacks of maybe that there's so much focus on, uh, sort of Razor, Sean, Diesel, and we all know, you know, the, the, the group that they are. I, th- I think that's a lot of the reason, and I think you gotta give Brett, I'm not a massive Brett Hart fan, I'll give him a lot of credit though, because, he could easily sort of turn around and get his arse in his hands and sort of say, well, what about me? What about me? But the guy doesn't, and the guy will steal the show every time he's on there. The last time I saw him was Hakushi, and he was had the best match on that in your house as well, and he did the same thing here. So while it might be that, um, you know, the writers might be struggling or coming up with creative ideas or something for Brett to do, he still comes out every night, and he puts his heart and soul and 100% effort into it. And I well, think that, I think that says a lot. I think. Well, Kieran, I, 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 I'll give you full credit for the point you're making, but the phrase "get his ass in his hands" was <laughs> certainly, uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll move on on that note. Um, we're backstage with Cornette, uh, Mr. Fuji, Yokozuna, Doc Hendricks, Anger and Monsoon. Standing alongside Yokozuna is the British. Bulldog. Um, Kieran, a, a good time to ask you, what did you think of this kind of story that was stitched throughout the show? I mean, well, forget forget what comes next, but in terms of at this point, in terms of kind of giving a, a, a coherent story to, to knit between the matches, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't mind. I actually, I actually quite like this thing where there's like a there's like a through line throughout the whole pay-per-view, and especially when it's Cornette, I'm immediately invested in it because I think the guy's just money. 
Um, when he was talking to Sid, I was like, oh, fucking hell no. But at least they didn't go down that route. So, yes, I, but I did appreciate the through line and how it sort of, it gave a bit of a build to the match of, you know, what's going to happen? You know, is Owen coming back? He is coming back at the beginning. Then it sort of turns out we need to get another partner. So now he's trying to run around getting, and I did like it, Bob. I did like that. Craig? Yeah, I, I... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with, uh, with Kieran. Uh, nothing really I can, I can add to that. I thought, yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it's quite good. Yeah. Uh, we oh go God. out <laughs> and, uh, Alondra Blaze is out modelling the t-shirt for the pay-per-view. They're trying to get people to buy the shirt, which features all four competitors for the main event, except Owen Hart is no longer in the main event. Yes, they literally tried to sell you to buy a pay-per-view shirt with the wrong guy in it. Um, <laughs> you know. Whatever. Uh, and we come out, it's Yokozuna and the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette <coughs> and Mr. Fuji versus Diesel and Shawn Michaels in a triple header match with all three titles on the line. Uh, now Jim Cornette did, in the promo insert earlier, did kind of explain all this. Um, but yeah, so if Shawn or Diesel pinned either Yokozuna or the bull, uh, or Bulldog in this case, um, Shawn and Diesel become tag champions. Things get a bit more complicated the way around. If Either Bulldog or Yokozuna pin Sean, then whoever pin Sean became his continental champion. And if either Bulldog or Yokozuna pin Diesel, then whoever pin Diesel will become the WF champion. So theoretically, if Yokozuna had pinned Diesel, Sean would have stayed IC champion, but Yokozuna would have won the WF championship. Also conspicuous in all this was when they were building the match when Owen Hart was still in it, um, they weren't really all that keen on suggesting that Owen Hart could win the WF championship. It, it very much seemed to be, well, if Yokozuna or Owen Hart pins Sean, then they'll win the Intercontinental title. And if Yokozuna pins Diesel, he'll win the WF Championship. So, yeah, they, they were a bit all over the place there. Uh, we will discuss it after the TV report as what they did next. Um, but, Craig, I guess it's a good time to ask, what do you think of this stipulation? Because I thought going in, it was a really clever idea. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, credit for credit's due for us coming up with something different. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked the idea. Uh, I, I wondered if it would maybe lead to some more sort of, you know, causing tension between teams. Maybe, I don't know, uh, like Yoko or Owen fighting over who was to pin Diesel or something like that. But, I mean, I appreciate it didn't happen. But if scope for them to go down that route if they'd wanted to. But yeah, I mean, as a sort of uh, gimmick for a match, it, it's one that, Gives you a lot of uh, freedom uh, and direction to go down. Kira? Yeah, I, it kind of, I was, you know, credit to Sean and Diesel. You know, they've obviously <clears throat> been more cynical about it probably than you guys. I would probably say that maybe they work their way to getting all these belts into the one match. But on the flip side of that, it does actually, it's actually very unique. It's probably not something you're going to see that many times while you've been, while you're watching wrestling. So there's a lot of scope for them to go down. You know, I actually thought that maybe, maybe there was going to be sort of a, maybe a bit of friction coming up between Diesel and Sean. Um, you know, sort of maybe one of them not wanting to lose the belt. So maybe they'll sort of like ignore a tag or whatever. It just gives a lot of scope for where the match could go. So I was actually, that was actually a really good idea. We start with Sean and Bulldog. Bulldog twice grabs Michaels by the legs, who spins him out. Michael sends Bulldog to the outside, but is able to flip himself back into the ring. Yokozuna charges Michaels in the ring, who fights back, and Diesel evens up the score. Yokozuna gets sent to the outside. 
Sean does his best sumo impression. Yokozuna is as ever on point with his facial expressions. They charge at each other. Sean slides underneath, bounces off the ropes, and rolls to a back elbow. Yokozuna goes to drop an elbow of his own, but Sean moves. We're now going with Bulldog and Diesel in the ring. Bulldog attempts a high angle suplex, but can't get Diesel up. Bulldog resets and hits it second time around. Sean jumps off Diesel's shoulders for a splash, but Bulldog kicks out for it too. Bulldog picks up Sean and crotches him on the top rope. With the action on the outside, Yokozuna just marks his territory mid-ring. Sorry, that, 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 there's, there's, there's a euphemism there for having a shit. He didn't do that. Um, taking over from Bulldog. Sure, that's what I've got written. I, I, I read it verbatim. He, he, just, he just stood there and posed. He didn't have a shit. Taking over from Bulldog. Sure, there's a flippy thing in the corner, but stays in the ring. Bulldog body slams Sean on the outside. Jim Ross points out that Michaels and Diesel never lost the tag titles. They were stripped of them after the pair disbanded last year. Bulldog clotheslines Michaels, then shouts, You're next at Diesel. Yokozuna once again just climbs to the ring without a tag. Yokozuna goes for a bonsai drop, but Sean moves out, but it's still Sparko. Diesel and Bulldog tag in. Diesel drapes Bulldog over the second rope, then drops a leg across his shoulders. All four men get in the ring, and the heels get smashed together. Bulldog coming across worse, coming off worse, sorry. Sean and Diesel sling Bulldog into Yokozuna in the corner. Bulldog falls down, and Yokozuna comes crashing down on top of him, which pops the crowd. Bulldog runs into a big boot, then sets for a jackknife. Now Diesel sets for a jackknife. Sean deals with Cornette, but Yokozuna hits a fallaway slam on Diesel. Sean super kicks Yokozuna. Davey hits a power slam on Diesel. Sean breaks up the pin with a top rope elbow drop. Owen Hart runs out, jumps on the turnbuckle, eats a jackknife powerbomb, and Diesel pins him. The WWF taking a page out of WCW's book with a finish involving a guy not in the match. Craig. For me, there was too much Yokozuna in this one. I think that's the... I mean, obviously, we'll come to the finish, because the finish was the big problem, but in terms of the match itself, just far too much Yokozuna. If, uh, if it had been Yokozuna replaced by the Bulldog to team with Heart, this would have been far better, but uh, it wasn't, and yeah, Yokozuna spent far too much time in the ring for this to, for this to be anything other than, than quite average, despite the valiant attempts of the other three men in it. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 kind of the same thing. I, I, I really enjoyed it up until Yoko comes in. I mean, I, I enjoyed the stuff with Sean all the way up to that point, and then Yoko comes in, and it's then it's just like, and understandably, I mean, the guy's like half a bloody ton. So, but it's like it's just again, but it's just too many. It's too many rest holds. We'll get to obviously we'll get to the finish in a bit. Um, but the match was okay. It was just, it was just immediately Yoko comes in, things slow down. You get up, get up to the finish, and then it's just like, oh, it was, it was okay. It was all right. I quite enjoyed this. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big Yokozuna fan. Um, and I can't necessarily disagree massively with the idea that Yokozuna probably got involved a bit too much. Um, and one of the strengths of his tag team with Owen Hart, you know, in the past is that, you know, Owen can do a bulk of the workload and Yokozuna will just have these moments. So there probably were a few too many of those. Um, but I thought the bit with him and Sean, where they do the kind of sumo pose across the ring, I thought that was really good. Yokozuna's facial expressions, I think, are unrivaled in the company. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, yeah, the, the match didn't really pick up, but it was a shame in the sense that I think one thing, one of you mentioned before we started the review was that there were so many possibilities and they never really got to the point where they never really 
told the audience that the Sean and Diesel were vulnerable. They never got in any situation where you thought, you know, Diesel was hardly ever in the ring, you know, and fair enough, when you've got Yokozuna in, you probably want Sean to counteract him. Um, but they never put either of them in a position where you thought, oh, wow, the titles might change, one of the major titles might change hands. Um, and then we get to the finish, Kieran. Yeah, I, oh God. I, I can't, I hate, I just hate finishes like this where it all centers, it's all centering around a guy that's not even booked in the match and you just instantly, like I said, like I said way back in like the preamble before we started the review, anything like this, it just sours everything. It sours the match. I mean, the Bret Hart match is really good, but it just sours the whole thing. I just hated, hated this finish. Hated it. Craig. It's, yeah, it's like earlier on I was talking about how stupid the one, two, three kid coming in and doing the count is because it doesn't make any sense. This is even worse. But the, why is the referee not saying, get out of the ring, Owen Hart, what are you doing, rather than counting his shoulder to the match? Why is Diesel <laughs> pinning him? Oh, God. There are so many questions. And it's mind no Yeah, I mean, it just... Again, it was a disappointment. You see the stipulation going in and you think, oh, I don't have to, and this is the thing we go back to, don't piss off your pay-per-view audience, for God's sake. Like, you know, the, these are the guys who are paying, paying the money to watch your programming. Like, the, the stipulation going in was a really good one. They had the thing on Raw beforehand. Grimond soon said, you will see a title change. Great. And, and yes, technically we did. But, you know, and then you get the bait and switch 24 hours later with, with, with the reversal. It was all just... Uh, it was a shame. I mean, I, I think I, I thought the match was set up fine. I, I think I'd have, you know, I, for me, I thought the best solution going in would have been to have Owen pin Sean. Definitely. Um, with, with, you know, potentially, if, if I really get a fancy book this thing, have Sean and Diesel get into an argument. That was the one thing Jim Cornette spoke about on Raw. The last time you were together, you split up. That was the thing, you know, the last time you had this big kind of match-up, it all fell apart. That was referring back to... Uh, uh, it would have been SummerSlam, I think. No, I mean, it would have been for that. It was Survivor Series last year, but it would have been for that anyway. Um, and yeah, like, I, I would have done that. And, you know, maybe not necessarily Diesel turn heel, but kind of start that heel turn. Because, you know, logically they're going to get that match pretty quickly because they, they haven't got many opponents for Diesel as is. Like, you might as well start the Diesel heel turn now. Um have him and Sean have an argument, maybe have Diesel lay out Sean, then Owen comes in, picks up the victory, wins the IC title, that gets the IC title off Sean, which I think they need to do, and then you can start that program, maybe with, you know, you know Diesel's the heel, and you know, in your house three, you probably wouldn't go to Diesel and Sean straight away. I would have done it like that, you know, as much as I'm a bigger fan of Yokozuna, like he wasn't going to win either of the belts, Owen winning the WWF title would have been a really odd move, given that they've done nothing with Owen the last seven or eight months, but I think Owen with the IC title would at the very least give it, you know, not that Sean's a bad worker by any means, but Sean is, Sean shouldn't be in that big working second man spot, he should be in the main programs right now, he's had a great year, as, as Jeff said last month, he's the best guy they've got, and he shouldn't be, you know, the, the fact that you've got those two on top, and Brett, and they're all baby faces, just doesn't work. Craig, Craig, what, what would you have done, if, you know, going into this match, how would you have got out of it? In terms of the, the, the main event itself? Yeah. I, I think I, I would have I would have just stuck with a with a clean finish, uh, just avoided all that nonsense. That, that that's certainly the, the the first thing. 
it's, I mean, you don't really want all your titles on on one group. Of, well, all four titles on two guys either. I think I think I'd have been keen to avoid that. But then again, you don't really want to close a close a, a pay per view with a a non finish or like a double count out or something like that. Uh, it's, it's tricky. I mean, we 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 were full of praise uh, for, at the start. I, about the sort of directions it could take, but really it only led to to one point of guys having all four titles. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I'd, I'd, if I'd had any sort of control over things, I'd have certainly avoided the the nonsense of the belts, the bait and switch stuff that would happen the next night. I'd have, I'd have been definitely keen to avoid that. And and at this stage, I, I don't know why they couldn't have just pinned Yokozuna. I, you know, I mean, like they 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 didn't want to put the tag titles on on, on Sean and Diesel, so I guess they they you know they they wanted a way of getting out of it. But I don't know, uh, Kieran, what would you have done? What what, what how would you have got out of this? Um, I mean, I'm not going to go too in depth with like how I might have booked it. It's just just if you're gonna if you're gonna all right if you're gonna go this way, if this was the way they were going to go, and I don't I don't know whether there was some audible call and someone just said, oh, and just run out there and. Do something, will you? No, that, that wasn't that. No, that, that, no. that was very much the plan. Um, if, so if this was the plan, if you're gonna put all four titles in that corner with Diesel and Sean, at least tease something that there's gonna, there is some sort of friction. So at least you take away his eyes. Yes, Diesel, if you, you know, if you like them, if Diesel and Sean have got all the belts, but, oh, hang on a minute, there's, there's something rotten in Denmark here. There's probably, you know, there's, there's just, just tease something and just give us something to hold on to because otherwise this just looks like a really messy finish and now like two blokes have got all four titles so if I was going to go anyway um I probably would have done a cleaner finish like Craig said um and if this you know have them all have all four titles but at least give us something going forward as to maybe a bit of friction between Diesel and Sean something rotten in Denmark it's to, I, 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 <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of my dad's sayings. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll write down. Put his, put his ass in his hands. We'll put, we'll put those together. Um, Craig, your your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of ten? Uh, uh, the, this podcast or the actual? In your life? <laughs> well, well, both if you like. Uh, I've learnt a lot of whimsical musings from Kieran that I'm going to try and go into. To, into conversations and just because I get off on people looking at me like I'm a weirdo, uh, I've enjoyed the podcast. But in, in terms of the, the in your house, uh, I, I thought it was fine. Uh, I would probably say six out of ten. I, I think I, I think I'm going to come back to the, the point I made about booking. I think that the, the, they're not quite caught up with having to book monthly pay per views, and sometimes things just seem cobbled together uh, and just thrown in and just hoping it works and some of the matches whilst I enjoyed the Bret Hart Jean-Pierre Lafitte match things like Sid and Henry Gordon whilst never a classic may have been improved if there was something a little bit more uh, meaningful that, that led to it if it, if it was a, a blow off of a, of a of a stronger feud uh, but yeah in, in terms of what they, they were able to cobble together 6 out of 10 for me Kieran? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the Bret Hart match. That instantly got it up to sort of like a four or a five. Um, 
I kind of, I, I did like the Razor match, um, mainly because I can see where they're going with the one, two, three kids stuff. Um, so while the finish wasn't brilliant, it was okay. And I thought the t- the main event was okay, but again, the, the ending soured it. So I'll go the same as Craig. I'll get, I'll give it a six out of ten. Overall, I thought it was like one really good match and a couple of little bit of nuggets that I can get my teeth into going forward. Um, but it, it was okay overall. Yeah, Hattrick of Sixes. Um, yeah, it was, uh, if you paid $15, you got, uh, you got, you got your money's worth. You, you can get a great show, but you got a 15, a decent $15 show. Some good action, some stuff that as we've gone through wasn't particularly, you know, all that clever, all that well done. Um, but no, the, 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 there's the, even the C match, I think, stunk out the joint. It wasn't really long enough. Um, there's nothing on there that really bombed, and you know, the, the, there was some good stuff. I thought, you know, the Douglas Razor match was good. The title match, I, the, the, the main event match, I thought was decent with a with a pretty you know, cop out finish. And the Brett Jumpy Elephant match was was very good. Last night, which was exactly what Jim Cornette's attorney gleefully pleaded. Guess. Did you not state that for last night's purposes, that the referee's decision was final in the match? Did you not state that, Mr. Well, Monsoon? No, Mr. Monsoon. Did you or did you not state that the referee's decision was final? I did. Thank you, Mr. Monsoon. And did you not also state that the British Bulldog was a tag team champion along with Yokozuna last night? Did you not state no, that as well? No, 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 no. In front of millions of people all around the country, Mr. Monsoon, did you not state that? I did. When the referee, whose decision is final, allowed Owen Hart to participate in the match, Owen Hart was, in fact, not a recognized tag team champion last night. Thus, under the threat of legal action by Jim Cornette's barrister, this embarrassing technicality forced Mr. Monsoon to once again recognize Yoko Zuna and Owen Hart as the WWF tag team champions. Somewhere down the road. Much to the chagrin of Jim Cornette and company, however, Mr. Monsoon further ordered a future rematch with Diesel and Shawn Michaels, and further ordered that the previously non-titled sanctioned match tonight with the Smoking Guns would in fact be for the WWF Tag Team Championship. We open up the final Raw in September on the 25th. During the introduction, we see Jim Cornette arguing Gorilla Monsoon about the outcome of the match in your house last night. In a voiceover, Vincent Mann says that the titles have been returned to Owen and Yokozuna, but they must face Diesel and Sean at a later date, as well as the smoking guns tonight. Marty Jannetty is back. He's facing Skip. At one point, Jannetty hugs Sonny, which gets a pop from the crowd. She isn't expecting it, so turns around to slap him, but Jannetty ducks and she slaps Skip instead, which pops the crowd. Dee Douglas is on the R way, taking notes. Jannetty wins by dropping a forearm from the top rope. Cornette King didn't get much time to wait, as the Smoking Guns defeated Yokozuna and Owen Hart to win the WWF Tag Team titles. The Guns hit their double-team finisher on Owen. Yokozuna went to break up the pin, but Bart moved as he, and he ended up squashing Owen. Bart covered Owen and the crowd popped big for the title change. After the match, Michaels and Diesel come out to celebrate with the new champs. Despite beating him cleanly in your house, Bret Hart will face Jean-Pierre Lafitte again on Raw next week. The 1-2-3 kid will also face Razor Ramon. Doc Hendricks calls the prospect of Undertaker against King, King Mabel in your house for a train wreck. He's not wrong. Along with announcing other matches for the next pay-per-view, including Bulldog against Diesel, Grilla Monsoon says Bret Hart will face the WWF champion at Survivor Series. 
During the main event between Undertaker and the British Bulldog, Undertaker continuing his run of having far better matches on television than pay-per-view. Waylon Mercy is shown looking on from the crowd. In the end, King Mabel comes out and hits a belly-to-belly on Undertaker before Bulldog hit a running power slam and Mabel drops the leg. Shawn Michaels and Diesel, apparently the only two babyfaces on the roster, come out and run the heels off. Next out is Yokozuna and Owen Hart, they're followed by the smoking guns. And the faces run off the heels and Undertaker shakes hands with Shawn and the guns as we go off the air. And we come out of the pay-per-view to kind of go back uh, a week or two to cover Raw. I, mean, I did consider doing this first, but I, I didn't think our discussion was significant enough or will be to uh, to, to warrant putting it first. Um, but to look at the 11th of September edition of Monday Night Raw, the first that went ahead against WCW Monday Nitro. Um, you know, sure, we had a Razor Ramon against the British Bulldog and in a DQ. We had a kind of a big in-ring angle with the kid and... Uh, Razor, we then got a couple of squash match victories for the Smoking Guns and Isaac Yankum, uh, and then the main event, which uh, Eric Bischoff said, you know, Shawn Michaels beats the big guy with the super kick uh, on commentary on Nitro, um, with uh, Michaels beats uh, Psycho Sid uh, with a trio of super kicks to retain his Intercontinental title, um, and then we get a kind of post-match interview with uh, Doc Hendricks with Shawn Diesel. Um, Craig, what, what did you think of, uh, of this as a show going up against uh, Nitro? You could see that uh, WWF was spooked, certainly. Uh, and, I mean, that that's obviously a good thing that they, they realised they needed to up their game. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea that there was... I mean, previously it was like squash match, squash, squash match, squash match, and two mid-carders fighting. So it it, it, it felt more important, uh, and, and that that's... Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's good that WCW have pushed WWF down that route. Yeah, exactly the same thing. That was my that was the biggest note. Everything feels now more important on Raw. It, it doesn't just feel like we're going to make this guy look super strong by putting him in there against any old, you know, just any old jobber. We, we're actually going to give people things to do on Raw. Uh, we're going to sort of move storylines on. We're going to do interesting things with storylines that we may not have done before on Raw. Um, so I actually think it's actually, you know, it's actually given them a good kick in the arse, you know, to actually get things moving because they've obviously been in a bit of a creative rut recently, the WWF. So maybe a change of, you know, a change of tact on Raw, maybe some better booking at the pay-per-views. Um, but all in all, I think Nitro is just going to give them that little bit of a push. Whether they take whether they take the ball and really carry it is another thing, Bob, because that that requires a re- some really big changes, if you ask me. It's not just simply you're gonna to have to like make Raw look a you know a bit better or do some more stuff on Raw. You're really gonna to have to change things to compete, or they probably think they do anyway. Yeah, I mean you know we'll, we'll cover the WCW stuff over obviously over on that part of the show, but yeah, I thought this was a good effort. I mean I think both companies are in danger of you know essentially okay you know WCW are doing uh, Luger against Hogan. Uh, let's do. Um, Sean against Sid and obviously they had this match in the can and one thing there were brief reports was that they're actually considering an emergency taping um, between the 4th uh, of September after Nitro aired and the 11th so they could plug in a couple of extra matches they didn't end up doing that and what I think the emergency taping ended up being was um, the, the big fancy new Raw intro which I'll come to in a minute um, but no I think in terms of you know having bigger name 
matches is, is, is better. It's going to give people more reason to be invested. And when you look at some of the stuff that WCW are pumping out, I think to a point you've got to follow them. Um, because I, they were pumping out not only big matches, but they were getting so much in in an hour, certainly the first couple of episodes of Nitro that I've seen so far. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think they, they, they did right. I thought the, this initial show was pretty good. Um, a good, uh, and actually probably a surprisingly good main event between, uh, between Sean and Sid. Um, but Craig, uh, are we, are both companies going to fall into the trap where they're thinking, right, let's present all these marquee matches despite the fact we have absolutely no intention of them ending cleanly? Are we just going to end up in a trap where these shows are very quickly going to become big name against slightly less big name DQ finish? Yep, uh, that's one concern. And the other concern is, is the idea that the, if you're using the bigger guys, you're going to have to, on a weekly basis, you're going to have to, you can't just throw them together, you have to sort of give them a storyline or, or a reason for the feud. So it's, it's adding a lot more pressure on, on the writing team that we've criticised already. Because previously it was like, we just put Shawn Michaels in there against skinny local guy in a rubbish singlet and watch him beat him in two and a half minutes. That's no way to describe Dean Douglas, come on. <laughs> That's a glorious <laughs> singlet. Uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, it's adding a, a lot more uh, pressure on on the on a creative team that isn't all that creative as it is. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Okay, uh, same question. Yeah, I think that I think this is kind of what I was alluding to. They were they're, they're going to have to try and go from like naught to not just sixty, but they're going to have to try and go from naught to a hundred. But they can't really make any mistakes. Do you know what I mean? They can't just start putting people together. And just say, oh well, we can't really have that too much of. We can't do that. Do that too much. We don't want to make someone look that weak on Raw. So let's just have a few DQ finishes, some double countouts, and of course the danger with that is then by the time you get to a pay per view, the, the you know the feuds, there's just no build to any feuds because nobody's nobody's allowed to look slightly weak. You can't see like Diesel, even like I don't know, he may may not even get disqualified himself. Do you know what I mean? That's my fear. Is that although it's going to push the creative to do certain things, are they going to have are they going to have a the backup to do it from say Vince and that, um, and is the talent going to be you know going to flow along with it? Yeah, I think that's the that's the biggest concern is that they just don't have the depth of of talent in terms of characters that are over and in terms of wrestlers that can carry these matches. The one thing WCW have done in signing Sabu, Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko, they signed a hell of a lot of work, right? All those guys would come in and on ability would stand right atop with with Sean and Brett and and, and the kid in terms of guys that can go in the ring. Uh, They just don't have that. They just don't have that depth of roster. And and the concern is, do they then try and follow just by overexposing Brett and uh, and Sean um, and the kid and guys like that? Like, I mean, Brett, Sean, kid, Owen, beyond that, what, Akushi, Razor... Like we're we're pretty quickly falling into the realms of guys that are decent workers but are no better, um, and there's also the concern. Yeah, I mean they've got other guys. There's also the concern where they have the over enough characters. I mean they've got you know Gold Dust, Dustin Rhodes coming in playing this you know completely wacky character that I think we're going to see debut next month. Um, 
uh, the question is, is, yeah, he can work. We know that. Does the character suit itself to that kind of matches? I don't know. Um, and they've got guys like Undertaker. I don't think you want to be in the, in the book of overexposing Undertaker. I think one of the reasons that he's so over is that he doesn't appear all that frequently. Um, and I don't know that they want to be in that business either. So it, it, it it's a difficult balance to strike. And I think they're going to have to, really use their resources well being actually very particular over where they put guys and uh, and who they push and the kind of characters they push um the other thing to discuss on tv is obviously the fallout of what happened uh, in your house um i didn't cover it in the in the tv report you have just heard but obviously we had you know cornet and his attorney in a quite entertaining segment with grill and monsoon basically arguing the toss over uh over what happened at the pay-per-view um and then we got the smoking guns defeating um Yokozuna and Owen Hart clearly to win the WWF tag team titles. Um, Craig, that this is the fallout of what happened at the pay per view. Um, yeah, I, I I like the fact they've got the titles on the guns. I think that makes sense. But I think I'd be highly pissed off if I paid fifteen dollars to see a show on the Sunday promising a title change, and then not only did they reserve, reverse the result of the decision on on the Monday, they then ended up having Yokozuna and Owen Hart lose the titles anyway. Yeah, you question what what logic went into thinking this was the best way to deal with things. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be pretty hacked off if if I'd bought it on the strength of a the title change and and saw that silliness the next night on on Raw. Well, you would have expected some uh, daftness considering a guy that wasn't in the match got pinned for the title change. So yeah, it, it's just all over the place and just that's really stupid and just treating fans as if they are stupid. Kira? Yeah, they just made a rod for their own back, Bob, with the with the way the pay per view went down, and um, it's just it, everything that happens is just symptomatic of the pay per view. Like you said, everything that comes after it is just a result of just really daft booking, and it just continued till you get to this point. Well, you know, by which point now? I mean, how how how? I, don't, I mean, I'm not speaking for people, but how credible is this guns run with the belts going to be? Or are they just going to do, are they just going to lose it next week? Because you, you don't know where this sort of, this might end, this sort of booking might end. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the, the plans are really for uh, Owen Hart and Yokozuna. I think it's a good tag team for both of them right now. I don't think there's much, I don't know what physical state Yokozuna's in to go back as a singles guy. We discussed that before. Uh, Owen Hart's certainly ready to be, as I say, as I spoke about earlier, he's probably an intercontinental title worthy guy. I don't know whether they're going to give him that, that kind of responsibility or that kind of championship. Um, but yeah, no, I think the guns have been, that they've been a team they wanted to put the titles on for a while, I think. They just haven't really got around to it or got in a position where they felt they were able to. Um, but the Guns are in a position where they're the best tag team they've got. Um, they might as well run with them for a while until they can find the next set of challenges if it's not going to be Owen Hart and Yokozuna. I don't think Diesel and Sean should be anywhere near it. Um, but yeah, there does seem to be a distinct lack of depth now and other head shrinkers don't exist because you know they, they split fat too off and all of that um but yeah i mean i if i bought the pay-per-view expect to see a title change i think i'd be quite pissed off if it, how it went down um i don't think it was i don't think the way they did it was mad you know, i think had they come up with a more creative way of having a screwy finish in the main event I don't think it'd be quite so bad. I think it was just the fact it was so obtusely wrong mm. was that Owen Hart just ran out, got pinned from actually wasn't in. You know, maybe if they'd have done a bit where, you know, 
Owen Hart ran out and you know maybe they could have had it where Hart ran out argued with Bulldog said no I'm in this match and then kind of you know maybe like laid Bulldog out or something like almost like put himself into the match voluntarily lost the match and then on Monday have Jim Cornette say well yeah but you said that it was Bulldog I think if you'd have been a bit more clever with that it might not have been quite so bad I think just the fact that it was like they might as well have just got off the air without a finish and gone yep we screwed you, you know, ha-ha, middle fingers up to the cameras, they went off air. Like, they might as well have done that. At least they'd have done a slightly better, if they'd have got there in a slightly more clever way. Owen Hart arrives in the arena and says, no, I'm fighting this match. Him Bull will get into an argument. Bulldog you know, storms off in a huff or whatever, and then Owen gets pinned, and then Cornette comes out and says, well, yeah, but Owen wasn't in the match. Like, that at least would have made sense, because it also would have made Cornette look really, really clever if he'd have kind of manufactured this argument as a way of covering this match. You know, it, it would have made sense, but but I don't know. Um, the other thing we'll discuss, uh, we'll discuss, we'll have discussed on the WCW part as well, um, uh, let's discuss this from the WWF side, is the departure of Lex Luger. Kieran, I mean, Luger's a guy who, apparently, as, uh, as the story goes, you know, Vince said, you can go and negotiate with WCW. He went, they didn't agree terms. Luger came back and said, look, I'm still working with you guys. And then Vince thought, right, okay, I can, I can put him in uh, a more prominent position. This month, right before Nitro, they, they taped an episode of Superstars where Luger lost to King Mabel, or no, Luger and King Mabel went to a DQ countout, I think. Um, but clearly Luger was in a position where they wanted to, you know, not push him as a top guy, but put him back in that realm. And I think they may have thought about turning him heel. Um, and then a few days later ends up on Nitro. I mean, Kieran, from a WF perspective, is it more of a case of the fact he's gone to WCW rather than they've lost him? That's a big deal. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, you've talked, probably talked about him sort of ad nauseum probably throughout the, throughout the podcast, but the, I don't think he's a massive loss, if I'm honest, Bob. He, he he was totally unremarkable as a heel when he did the old geezer in the mirror narcissist thing. The baby face run wasn't that much better. I, I, th- I think Bischoff and WCW maybe do this as sort of a point scoring thing, um, and kind of a thing where they're going to get they're, they're obviously trying to obviously obviously they're trying to hype up the first nitro. So in that way, yes, you could kind of see it um, from that from WCW's point of view. They're getting one over a bit of point <coughs> scoring. They've obviously got a name that everyone knows. But in terms of the WWF side, what we're talking about, I don't see it as a major loss at all, Bob. I, I just don't think he was he was that valued. He, if anything, if he had stayed on the WWF roster. He's a name they could have put somebody better up against. That would have been right. about it. Yeah, I, I think the the thing that will be causing more concern is the fact that they lost him to WCW rather than lost him. I, I, I'm no fan of Luger either. Uh, WWF tried tried hard, and just fans weren't really really interested in him. It's a shame. I thought actually at the end the the stuff with Bulldog could have led to. I quite liked the, the idea of the tag team itself, uh, and it, it was never a sort of long term thing. It, it, it seemed to me like it was always it had a play off of of leading to to a break up and the pair feuding. It's shame we never got to see that. Who knows how that might have panned out? But yeah, I think the the, the thing that'll arc the WWF most will be the fact that they lost them to WCW. He appeared in the first Nitro and allowed WCW to fire the the first shots. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as Kieran said, we've done the Luger thing to death over the, over the last couple of years. Just you know, go back. We, we the first show we did was you know me, Craig, and Colin doing you know SummerSlam '93, which you know, should should have been the start, and, and you know they, they they bottled it there. Um, but yeah, I, Luger's decent. Yeah, you know, and I think that was the thing. As much as they were probably over pushing him in '93, early '94, they probably didn't get enough out of him from mid '94 through to you know last month kind of thing. Um, but yeah, they, they were clearly in a position where they didn't want to do much with him. The whole thing about the contract was that any contract they would have offered him subsequently wouldn't have been anywhere near the level he would have been on previously because it would have reflected his status as more of a, a mid-card type, type guy. Um, but yeah, you know, as, I don't think losing him is a big loss because I don't think they were going to do a lot with him. I don't think he has that much to offer. WCW picking up is a big issue, but ultimately, you know, Someday soon, once the gloss has worn off, once 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 the dust has settled, Eric Bischoff is going to wake up and think, "Oh fuck, I've got Lex Luger." You know, how how do we yeah. manage that? You know, like yeah. for for all the for all the big bang on the firework when Luger comes out, it was great. I mean, I, and the few the matchup was perfect. Luger against Hogan was perfect. Oh, it's great. In many ways, they they blew their load too early for the sake of a rating, in the sense that they really could have made more of a deal out of you know the guy WWF thought could have replaced Hulk Hogan against Hulk Hogan. Let's see who's better. Let's let's solve this once and for all. Um, yeah, and and you know he filled in the Vader slot, which is fair enough. But we're gonna get to October and November. And it's still Lex Luger. The guy is still decent but no better in the ring. The guy is still a decent but no better promo with a very good body, but a guy that's that's been around for long enough now where if if he was going to make it, he would have made it. You know, he's been in both companies. If he was going to stick, he would have stuck by now, and he just hasn't. Um, and so, yeah, and that's where we'll end this month's show. I thought I'd thank Kieran Mitchell. Kieran? Thank you very much, Bob. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. You are on Twitter. I am indeed at the uh, ever popular Jotun Thrash 666. And Craig Osen? Uh, yeah, a, a pleasure as always. Uh, wonderfully hosted by your, your good self there, Bob. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah, sucking up does help with Craig also <laughs> here on next one's show. Uh, Craig, <laughs> uh, where, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, they can find, uh, well, they can find me writing about uh, wrestling largely from a retro slant at ringthedambell.wordpress.com and the Twitter handle is the same, ringthedambell, but it's the last L is replaced by A1 because some wrong in had previously registered the ringthedambell. Replace the L with the one. There we go. Uh, yes, uh, you've got a lot of other listening to do. I, I don't know how, obviously, yeah, by the time this will be out, we'll, we'll have recorded it. I'm anticipating the WCW show being the longest show we've ever recorded, um, because we've got so much to go through. We've got the Luger theme, we've got Vader, we've got Austin leaving, uh, we've got, uh, the first Nitro, all the other Nitros, and Full Brawl. I, I don't want to make a prediction how long that is, but that, that may well have Tops in over two and a half hours. Uh, volume three is ECW. We've got the arrival of, uh, of Steve Austin, I think, on the end of that one as well. Um, and volume four is uh, UFC. Um, so I'll be very interested to see what, what people think about that. That, that is out of 20 years ago mode, um, largely because Chris just started talking out of 20 years ago mode and we just went, fuck it, we'll run with it. Um, but it also made a lot more sense just to do it like that anyway. Um, so very interested to see your thoughts on our, on our UFC show. But you can... 
Find me on Twitter at Bobby Bambi. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Wrestling20YRS for, uh, well, Facebook, uh, Wrestling20YRS.com for all your blogs, all your back episodes. iTunes links on there, RSS feeds on there, email, newsletter link is on there, all of that bang. Uh, and that'll be about it. So yeah, you've got plenty of listening to do, but I've been Bob Bamber. This has been the September 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.